Hey kids, on this episode of Cinemodities, Rob and Zach discuss ancient media that we only have access to through Zach's old VHS tapes. As such, please excuse the audio quality of any clips we choose to include. You may now return to your homes. With Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel, most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic Swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, we are continuing Monstober by discussing something that is a Zach's choice. I would like. You to introduce Zach's choice for Monstober. Throw us into it. Throw us into All right. it, Zach. I am throwing... Okay. We are talking about real scary stories. And chances are, if you're listening to this, I had to cut out the first 20 minutes because it's more or less irrelevant. So if you hear the merman clip... I had no idea he was a mer... Man. Forgive us. You're going to enjoy <laughs> hearing that many times without any context whatsoever. <laughs> Enjoy that mystery, another Cinemodities mystery So anyway though, real scary stories uh, I'm going to try to keep this as brief as humanly possible I don't think that's going to be much like Freak There's going to be a lot of context to this And a lot of existential questions on what happens to media But Real Scary Stories was a TV show that aired on Fox Family initially And then later ABC Family it is about a bunch of teenagers who share various real scary stories that have happened to them it's basically, I'm trying to, okay, let's see, how do I describe this in the most effective way possible? Okay, for everybody listening, I wrote a fantastic article about this. I think Rob read it. I hope I Rob did. read it. Oh, yeah. Basically, what the show is, the, show, the show's format follows a rather simple pattern. Our ghoulish narrators would introduce the story or the ghost tale at hand. We would then be acquainted to a group of teens interested in the supernatural tale and, and who are going to investigate it. The group of teens in said haunted locale proceed to go haunting for the, quote, ghoul of the hour. The segments usually include the teens seeing something that spooks them. Then ghoul of the hour usually makes an appearance or is at least hinted to or is at least hinted to be present thanks to, to some clever editing. Said fiend immediately retreats into the netherworld it appeared from and the teens recap the events that occurred or at least recap what the audience wants or recap what the producers wants to think happened. Oh, yeah. And I think I think Rob can agree with that. That's pretty much the entire show in a nutshell. Oh, oh, ab- absolutely. Um, that is a great synopsis of it. Like like I said before, I read Zach's you know whole essay on this. I think we'll get into that a little bit more. Zach has a lot of history with this. I actually think Zach's history with this show is more interesting than the show itself. My history with the show is much shorter. Zach said, "Hey, we're going to talk about this on the podcast. Here's four hours of it with commercials." <laughs> Here's the story behind it. Keep in Just, mind, two hours of content and plus two hours of commercials to go yes. along with it. Yes. And so he's just like, just go for it. And, you know, we're, we're going to do it. 
Um, so that was my history, and then when I sat down to watch it, you know, there was the episode, which I'm sure Zach will explain more on, the episode that he recorded, the episode that he that he got, or I should say the file, the two-hour chunk that he recorded, one that he got from someone else. Um, I started with the one that he recorded, because that's, I think, the one he had uh, the most things to say about. Uh, the first, like, the first segment, what is it, Garden's Light or Garden Lights or something like yes. that, I was like, okay. I, I get what the show's going for, like, two more hours, four more hours of it, <laughs> let's go, you know, I'm, I'm gonna do it, you know, because that's, that's me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna suffer through it no matter what. Uh, second segment, Condi's Ghost, I, I don't remember what this segment's about at all, but man, like, the whole segment, we get a incredibly close-up shot of this woman's face, and she has some beautiful eyes. So this is this woman's eyes, and I was like, this is awesome. I was like, they got someone who got great eyes, and, you know, they're talking about a ghost story. I think, like, there's a, there's a ghost in a door, or the door is a ghost in that segment or something like that. <laughs> something but, like, like that. I'm just like, this is great. I'm like, man, this, I think her name's Sarah. Like, my notes for this segment, I was like, the second segment is about Sarah's beautiful eyes. <laughs> and then the third segment, the fourth segment, the next episodes, the remaining time I had to watch this, I realized the pattern of the show, which is exactly what Zach previously described and did perfectly. But the only other thing I would add is that they need to move the camera away from people's faces. It, this bothered me so much, Zach. You know this, why they did that, right? Uh, to, uh, my, There's a very specific reason why they did that. I want to say uh, emulating the Blair Witch Project. Bingo. Okay, that's exactly the first time I picked up on it. I was like, man, this looks like the Blair Witch Project. And then when I started to like every single time, literally, the, I think the last, the last like six segments, well, with the exception of the Vortex, that segment is great. Like all the other segments, my notes are simply move the camera away from your face. Like literally even an inch. This bothered me so much at a, after a while. It was like grating. I don't want to see people's faces that close up. It was good with Sarah. Sarah had beautiful eyes. Everybody else was ugly compared to Sarah. We don't need to see their face that fucking close up. And from a, a low angle, so, so many fucking nose hairs in this show. Move the camera away from your face. Like, it, oh, God. Okay. That's my main comment for real scary stories. <laughs> uh I I, I have don't really have I'm kind of neutral towards the show. I get what they're going for. I'm not really interested in like specific encounters of like kids going out into the woods and getting scared by noises. But whatever, you know, it's not terrible. But move the camera away from your face, please. All right, Zach. <laughs> now now you can you can get onto your stuff. <laughs> I didn't know he was a merman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh good. boy, okay, that's one, that's one ding. I had no idea he was a man. No, okay, my history with the show, I'm the one with the history of this show. Uh, I'm a little disappointed Rob didn't bring this up. I, okay, I'm going to upload this on my YouTube channel to anybody out there who, okay, okay, how do I do this in the most abridged way possible? I only have an hour and a half, and I feel like I have too <laughs> short a time. So, Real Scary Stories aired... It only aired for one season, about a dozen or so episodes, and it clearly was not renewed. And ever, and, and when it wasn't renewed, it would re-air on the network for a couple of years. The Really, the last definitive time it re-aired anybody's aware of 
was October of 2002, which is when my block of episodes were recorded, and Daniel W. I have to give a shout-out to Daniel W. For everybody who knows who is listening to this, if you go looking for this show, there are eight episodes on YouTube. Those eight episodes are on YouTube only because of me. If it wasn't because of me, you would not have those eight episodes, and this show would basically not exist. On, it would not exist online. Nope, even prior to me, nobody even had a screen grab of the show's official image card. That did not exist. If you go to IMDb, it is a screen cap from the episodes I put on YouTube. Uh, I uploaded the first four episodes, the first, the, the first block that Rob mentioned. That's the first four episodes that I put on, which is Gurdon's Light, uh, Danny's Bed, the, the, lady in the, or the Lady in Gray, I forgot the last one. The last one's uh, Agnes in the Wall. Yeah, Sarah's Beautiful Eyes, right? <laughs> well, that's Agnes in the Wall is a, is a, is a different one. That's different. Oh, than okay. okay. Ghost. Oh, come okay. on, Rob. You got, you got to differentiate all these girls being killed. In the oh, yeah. In oh, yeah. There's there's Agnes in the Wall, and then there's Condi in the door. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, you got to you you get these women separated. Come on. And then there's um, Josie in the Knob from Twin Peaks. Look at that. <laughs> see, it all it all connects. That was my first block. I recorded those episodes in October of 2002 because I just had, I don't know why, it's okay. My history with the show, the show terrified me as a kid. Absolutely terrified me. Maybe not until just recently that now I've kind of looked at it more with an academic lens, much like how I stated in our Total Recall review, things I have nostalgia for. I, I don't like to tear them apart because I feel that kind of pulls the nostalgic veneer off them. I just don't like doing that. I, I don't see any fun in that. It's like, you know what? I, there's only a few things in life that truly make me happy. I'm going to leave that alone. And even though I, uh, Real Scary Stories is kind of like a racer head for me, which we've kind of flirted with as a topic, in that I'm fascinated by it, but I'm hard-pressed to say that I like it. Mm-hmm. You can't like something that unnerves you to a certain degree. <laughs> and now, obviously, from what I've done in preparation for this podcast, plus just my understanding of how uh, media is put together, some of the nostalgic veneer is gone. It's not as spooky as it once was. Um, the, the opening credit, the credits intro, which we'll play here. Imagine hearing an odd sound that can't be explained. Or seeing a shadowy figure move, but no one is there. A light flickers. You feel a cold breath on your neck. Is it your imagination, or is it real? December 1931, Gurdon, Arkansas. A railroad foreman is attacked and killed. On an isolated train track. Soon after, a phantom light appears in the vicinity. Many believe it is the dead man and his lantern. Tonight, a group of teens follow the tracks of the murdered man to see who or what is the source of Gurdon's light. December 2000, Montevallo, Alabama. Sarah is a high school senior. She has a lot of decisions to make when choosing a college. But when, when she, she visits, visits the University of Montevallo, she's confronted with a problem that most students never have to deal with. Can she share a room with a ghost? These are the real stories of actual encounters with the bizarre and the unknown. These are real, scary stories. Uh, spooked the living daylights out of me. Like, like even to this day, I think that is so effective. I it, it is. Ha- it really is cool. I think that the first note I do have is as soon as I started watching it, I was like, wow, that voice swap effect between the male and the female is is really cool. It, it, it's creepy, and it and you know, it's it gets across the the right message. 
Exactly. And I think if this show has anything, again, we're kind of, uh, what's the word, drifting between the lines here of what we want to discuss. If this show has anything going for it, it's sound design. Whoever edited and did the sound for this knew they did not have much of a concept. You have a bunch <laughs> of kids with cameras, and even though there is a there was a uh, professional camera crew with them, you yeah. only see them. In, you only see them in one shot. There's only one shot where you see someone holding the boom mic, and but otherwise they do a pretty. Unless you know where to look, you or you understand how things are filmed, or like why there. If I think about, it, there's only two people in the abandoned house. Why is there a camera? How are they both in the frame if it's only the two of them? Yeah, yeah. There, there's things like that that an adult will be able to see through, but considering that the, the target audience for this was about ages 7 to 16, mm-hmm. most people in that age group will not be able to discern that. I know I certainly didn't start doing it until my college years, where I'm like, wait, that does that, that shot does not make sense. <laughs> uh, going away, when I was younger, this show terrified me, but for some reason... I, in October of 2002, which is a solid two years after it got started, I felt compelled to record it. Why I only recorded those four episodes, and I didn't record any episodes before it. Because I think even, in, from what I remember 16 years ago, the show did not air frequently. Like I think it aired mm-hmm. in that initial year a lot. Cause they, they pushed it hard that first year. And it more or less disappeared. So I, I guess I either was busy during op- that October of 2002, so I only caught that one uh, batch of four episodes. Mm-hmm. The second batch, the latter four episodes, um, Daniel W., who found me on YouTube and said, like, Hey, do you want my episodes? And I pretty much gave him like my social security number as long as he sat there, gave me these episodes. <laughs> I was I was like a junkie, folks. Like, well, you know what? It's like I would I was gonna do anything to get these episodes from him. And he very happily just said, I'll send them to you, just send them back to me once you're done ripping them. I, and to this day I told him I will dance at your wedding because of that. <laughs> So, but my first four episodes, I don't know why, because the second batch of episodes aired before the ones that I recorded. Okay. Both were recorded during uh, 13 days of Halloween in October of 2002. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I had the foresight to say, like, I, I need to record this. This probably was one of my, probably the first time I ever had a knee-jerk reaction to record something, because this might not be around ever again. Like, this is before, like, everything, back during, like, the mid-2000s, where everything got a DVD release. This was just, and plus I was only 10 years old at the time, so it was the philosophy of, if I don't record this now, there's a good chance I never see it again. Yeah. There was, it, just, it was just that, that concept. And good thing I did, because since the show aired in October of 2002, I've only once ever seen it aired again on TV. And it aired on the Chiller Channel in October of 2010 under the name Scary But True, which to this day I have a very loose grasp on. It. I've been, I, from what I can read, it's the international title, but it later got. Well, I guess when Chiller bought the rights, they the license, the TV rights for it, or I guess the syndication rights, they got it under that name. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how that would work. Obviously, if it's a foreign, if it's an international title, I don't know why it would be in the U.S. under that title. I have one episode of that recorded. It's somewhere. I went looking for it, hoping to have it out by now. I still don't know where it is. I know I recorded it. It's somewhere. Good question is where. But <laughs> no, if it was not for these four episodes, much like how we discussed Freak and the fact that like like Freak has a very niche audience, mm-hmm. this show has no audience. Yeah. It, it has maybe around a half of, of all the episodes I ha- I've put up on YouTube. It has maybe total combined maybe half a million views. Okay. Probably even less if I had to guess. But just for a round number, uh, I remember back during the early 2010s, I joined a Facebook group that was about the show. Nobody there had nobody there had any episodes. Nobody even had like the image car. Like I said, there there was no record of the show. 
I know even in preparation for this. I asked Rob to go find it on his uh, the shady means he finds things. <laughs> even he couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. It's this show is like uh, I love the idea of lost media, media that existed at one point and then disappeared. Like I know some people classify that like there's the the infamous max headroom incident like on pbs or, or wherever it was where it was like oh like if you didn't have your vcr taping this for like 15 minutes on a sunday you lost you missed out on seeing this yeah like there's that type of lost media which is really like you it's kind of like taking a shot of a moving target in the dark you just get really lucky and somebody catches it by accident and then you have things like this where this aired on a national television station that's owned by one of the largest entertainment companies in existence. Yeah. <laughs> Yet we don't have any record of this show outside of sparse fragments scattered to different corners of the wind. It's uh, it's it's pretty interesting. And like I, I think I mentioned when I was given my history that I, I think Zach's history with the show and that idea of it being lost and, you know, having such a hard time finding it, that is the more interesting part. You know, I'm I'm with you, Zach. We should find more. I think the only unfortunate thing from your perspective is that I, I definitely don't love this show, so I'm not really like motivated myself to go searching for it. But I'll keep an eye out. But it, like like he said, it seems like it's just lost in the ether. How many episodes are left? So you have eight, right? What are there? Twelve? Thirteen total? There's thirteen in total. I have I have eight. There's five episodes out there. I out of the five I don't have, there's a few of them that I remember quite vividly from why i initially mm. watched them okay. like i know there's a bigfoot episode i know oh. there's a jersey devil episode I, I i again i remember the jersey devil episode i okay going back to my history with the show at the end of every if if, if you're listening to this i hope you've watched it please it's on youtube if you're gonna watch any we'll get into we'll get we'll delve into the specifics of the show why the show does and doesn't work in a moment but if you watch one episode watch the danny's bed haunted home video and green tunnel episode I think if you watch that one episode, it, it, it's the best episode in my opinion. And that it just, it's everything about the show wrapped in the one. It's the show. It's most effective and it's worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a little bit of everything, but <laughs> at the end of every episode, they air, they have uh, an address. You can mail things to. These are the stories of real people from across the country who have had experiences with the unknown. If you have a story to tell, visit our website at realscarystories.com or write to us at Highland Entertainment, P.O. Box 2036, Old Chelsea Station, New York, New York, 10113. Tell us your real scary story. And back during, it had to be the summer of 2001, I actually wrote a letter to that address being like, oh, my nephew and I love your show. My nephew, obviously, being my um, closest friend during that summer, we're like, oh, we love your show. I wrote, like, I love the Deacon episode. He really liked the Jersey Devil episode. We really like your show. Um, mm-hmm. Really, definition of, like, a, a patronizing letter that was written by, like, eight yeah. kids. Or, I guess, nine. Yeah, I was eight at the time. And, like, a month later, it got sent back to me. It's like, this address, like, it cannot be delivered. Ooh. And it was just, it, like, it was the spook, to, like, a nine-year-old, it was the spookiest thing in the world. Like, you write this letter to this creepy show. Again, keep in mind, this is before the internet, before you could research things. All I knew Mm -hmm. is this show scared me. It just really captured my imagination. And a month after you send your letter, because I I think when I was younger, like, every once in a while, with the help of my parents, I sent a letter to, like, 
Disney Adventures magazine or something. Okay. And like you, you get a little postcard back being like, oh, thank you for like writing to us. We'll keep in mind your suggestions. Like something to, like it was patron, again, reciprocal patronization where it was like, yeah, oh. an acknowledgement. Yeah. Exactly. And so I expected something like that. Nothing. Return, like it literally just had this, the giant like stamp on it that said, cannot be delivered, return to sender. Oh man! And I, I guess the letter's gone. I've never seen it since. <laughs> and because I don't know why I wrote. And so I it just it just that was the foundation of the fact this show does not exist. Mm-hmm. And so it was just it was a mystery, and I didn't really pay much thought to it. And I kind of forgot where I was going with this. But no, that uh, of all those episodes, uh, getting back to Rod's point about what episodes still exist out there, there's Cell Block Four and Seacoast Theater, Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm. The Grey Ghost and Ray the Banisher. I I remember I know there's a Jersey Devil segment. I don't mm-hmm. remember anything specific about it. For some reason, it has a 9.6 rating on IMDB with oh, five wow. ratings. So I'm guessing somebody has that episode somewhere, maybe. If you're if you're listening to this, please share it. I will dance at your wedding. Zach there's, and I will dance at your wedding together. <laughs> maybe Rob might not dance at your wedding, but I certainly will. Haunted Lighthouse, the Altamaha, Sea Monster, and Martha. Maybe this is the first interaction of Batman v Superman. We might never know. I have no idea what that episode's about. I had no idea he was a mer- man. Uh, what does that mean? Why did you say that name? McPipe Mansion, The Search for Bigfoot, and The Haunting of Diane. I remember there was a Bigfoot segment. Once again, do not remember anything specific about it. Lemp Mansion, the Haunted Firehouse, and the Winchester Mansion. I, I uh, The Lemp Mansion segment is out there because I guess whoever curated the, mu- the Lemp Mansion Museum in the mid-2000s had the episode and uploaded it to YouTube. It was uh. the only... For the longest time, it was the only... Until I came along, it was the only piece of real scary stories media video that was online. Mm-hmm. I know the Haunted Firehouse episode because there's one actual moment that I can still remember to this day. I, I can pinpoint... There's a point where the kid's like, he's in the firehouse by himself and he sees like a piece of fabric. He's like, it looks like like the drama mask, like the happy mask and the se- and the frowning mask. Okay. And he like, he's like, that mask is making a face. And they actually like highlight it. I can, st- I can still remember that moment as if it were yesterday. I've not seen that episode in like 17 years. Yeah, I can remember it like it were yesterday. I don't know why. <laughs> In the Winchester Mansion, that was my first introduction to that. Is the just the the story of the Winchesters? Okay, and that and that's pretty much it. Everything, all the other ones we have is on capacity. We'll get into specific episodes. Like I, uh, I, I remember the Myrtle's Plantation episode very vividly. That was my first introduction to that, which was part of the Unsolved Mysteries clips that Rob got sent a few months ago. Yep. This show. One of the weird things about this show is that this show did highlight some pretty big ghost story macabre tales like obviously you have winchester mansion which i think is everybody knows what that is mm-hmm. myrtle's plantation is definitely a in the macabre ghosty world that's definitely a, a hallmark story jersey devil even though it's not much of a big thing anymore that's mostly if you live in if you know the pine barrens and the whole jersey thing you you know who the jersey devil is yeah i had actually heard of the deacon or that story before seeing this because the museum that the deacon supposedly haunts is just a little bit north of pittsburgh and you know you hear about that because i lived in pittsburgh for a few years oh how about that because i that's one that a lot of these stories you hear about these ghost stories and you never hear anything you never heard anything about them since or ever again yeah this one was kind of like when i you know when i first moved out there it was just uh you know looking up you know what what's the stuff to do around town and you know kind of being in pittsburgh 
uh, I think just at a, at a bar, that type of scene, at a, you know, concert venue, this came up talking with people and they're like, yeah, there's this haunted museum just north of uh, Pittsburgh. I've never been there. I think we might have talked about going. Uh, but yeah, that was the one that I actually knew about, you know, other than the Myrtle's Plantation and the one Zach mentioned, of course. Rob did not know what Bigfoot was until we just discussed no, Big, this podcast. Bigfoot, Bigfoot, I, I still don't think I know fully what Bigfoot is. <laughs> he knew what the monster truck, he was very aware of the monster truck Bigfoot, but this cryptozoological creature, he was clueless about until like maybe five minutes ago. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, let's get into the show a little bit. As I'm watching it, the show is weird. The production and the, produce, the post-production of it, I'd say for a kid's show... It's got to be like if it's not a ten out of ten, it's pretty close to it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Because this, they, they like you. I think you mentioned before, they knew that they did not have much of a concept. They knew that uh, they didn't have much of anything that was interesting to show people. You know, just close up shots of kids' faces in the dark <laughs> for half an hour. That's not interesting. So yeah, but, they they definitely did the put the the right spin on it. But that the thing about those, like, as I was watching this. And this is one of those shows that led to me to like watching Unsolved Mysteries. Like mm-hmm. it was a stepping stone because like this was my introduction to that like ghosty macabre world, which I like. Even though this isn't exactly, we'll get into this later on with things like Creep Show and Tales from the Dark Side and Jason Goes to Hell, because these are all like that's one thing about Monstober. It's also me being selfish and kind of tracing the stepping stones of my particular taste in macabre stories. Mm-hmm. This was kind of my first entrance into this world because I'd never okay. seen. Be- I might not have seen Beetlejuice at this time. If I did, I, don't, I wasn't that. I wasn't glommed onto it that much. Sure, but this was one of those things like you'd be flipping through TV or I'd be watching something like because I watched. Eight, I, I got. I watched all the Disney or not Disney. I watched all the kid shows. I watched Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, Disney, Fox Family. I, I got around. I think probably the reason why I ended up watching this was probably for a show called Mega Babies. Which is definitely a cinemati in of itself. We might get to that one day. I remember that. Yeah, that's like I, I was fascinated with that show when I was younger. There's a good chance I would be watching that, and it would end. It would just lead into this. Okay. Which totally is like a full stop reverse. <laughs> I was about to ask, were you as equally scared of Mega Babies as you were of this? <laughs> I loved Mega Babies. I, okay, when I was younger, okay. I was I was disappointed they didn't make toys for that. I remember I, I wanted a, a Mega Babies toy so ba- badly, and when I found out they didn't make any, I was just like, what a, what a waste. What a, what a loss <laughs> in merchandising revenue. Oh, man. So I think that's pretty much how I got into it. I probably was watching Mega Babies, and it was just, oh, this is on. Probably scared the living daylights out of me, but just enough where it didn't freak me out entirely. Because, like mm-hmm. I said, um, in 2002, I recorded this on a VHS tape. I still have the tape. And it's fun. when I was younger, when I got scared of something, I would take it and hide it in, ki- in the kitchen drawers. <laughs> so like for specifically, the long- specifically the kitchen drawers? Like not yes, other rooms' drawers? Because it, was as, because it was as far away as possible. Because uh, without getting into the geography of how, where I lived in Florida, the kitchen was like the furthest room away Okay. From from where uh, my room was, plus I could yeah. keep a tab on it so it didn't get lost. Because mm-hmm. um, it's kind of those things you kind of like want to lock it up, but you don't also don't want to lose track of it. Mm. And I can remember it sat in a drawer a lot of times. It just sat in a drawer. I had the tape this day. I, I could reach to it, reach for it if I want to. Poor tape now has seen better days because it's just it's been sitting around for how long? But no, I I did I did weird things like that. I put it in a drawer, keep it as far away from me. Yeah, I was intrigued by it. Like I, I go back to it periodically. Okay. And as I'm watching it now, I'm trying to figure out why did this show resonate with me. 
And I still think that intro in the segments or the, how would you, I guess the bumpers, I guess that's what we would call it. The, 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 yeah, yeah. The bumpers that surround it with the goat, with the, the smoke filled background and the disembodied dual voices mm-hmm. in the text. I love that font. Fun little tangent. There's a show on Destination America, which is a channel called Buying the Bayou, where it's about like people like buying houses that are like in like waterfront, like southern property. And they use the exact same font. And I'm like, oh, I'm like it's, right the most, it's the most macabre, spooky font, yet they're using it for people buying beachfront or I guess uh southern beachfront property. I can't figure out who chose this font because, like, it makes me mad for two reasons. A, it's not the correct font for the tone you're going for. And two, it's the real scary stories font. Yeah. So how did you – are you an avid watcher of shows of that nature and you just were watching it like, oh, I'm going to check out this new show, Buy in the Bayou? Or, like, how did, how did you find out that that was the font they were using? Because – well, I, okay, I think I was, because Destination America used to air a bunch of, like, Disney documentaries, and now they, they don't do that anymore. They've gone through the same thing that uh, Travel Channel went through, where it was like, oh, Travel Channel, and it became the Food Network. And now okay. Destination America used to be Travel Stuff, now it's the Food Network. Mm-hmm. And I think I was, I was probably watching something and probably just led into that. Or they were doing a segment, like, on beachfront property in Florida. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll, like, I'll rec- I think they maybe did something, like, in Spring Hill. And I'm like, oh, like, I might see something I recognize. And I watched it. And I see, because I, I think it's it's like, oh, pro- they only use it, it's used sparingly. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. property, it's like any of those shows. They show them three properties, a couple, and decide yeah. which one they want by the end of the, the program. And like, and like when they say like property one, that's the font they'll use. And you only see it for like maybe like three, four seconds. And I'm like, that looks oddly familiar. What? Okay. And it's like, then like they show it again. I'm like, okay, now, now, I'm, now I'm getting it. And I looked at it a third time, and it's like, and then at the very end, they show like property one, property two, property three. And I'm like, there it is. Like, that's clearly the font. Or at the okay. very least, it's it's derivative of, of the real scary yeah, stories font, yeah. and which I have not seen before or since. Don't know okay, how you, okay. I don't know how fonts work. Like, is there a time limit you can use a font for, where somebody else can reuse it? Don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know either. The only example, you know, I don't see it too often, but I have noticed it. I think one of the most notice noticeable ones, or maybe most well known ones, is what the uh, the the title of the original Tobey Maguire Spider Man movie. I think Spider Man One and Spider Man Two. Like that font is the same font that uh, Sony used for the PlayStation Three. Yeah, that's because that cause yeah, it was a yeah, Sony movie. Like that. I guess you can trademark the certain angles. Maybe who knows? Mm, so, so maybe the people who are doing Buy in the Bayou are uh, what's his name, Don Wells from Real Scary Stories. <laughs> I can only hope we'll get the we'll get the Don Wells in a moment because I got a bone to pick with that guy. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Don Wells, move the camera away from your face. <laughs> well, okay, but he wasn't even. He was just the producer. Okay, we're getting back to the show. We'll get to Don Wells in a moment. <laughs> so the show, the bumper, the bumpers, the smoky background are what makes this show effective. The yeah. kids doing their shtick. As you're watching it, again, if you're an eight year old, the show is wholeheartedly trying to scare you out of the room. Mm-hmm. Like this show is very effective for the audience it's targeting. It is. I remember even when I was in elementary school, like I'd mention it to people, or I guess other eight, nine-year-olds, and people, like, I remember my friends, I'd be like, they're like, oh, I watched that show, and it didn't, again, it didn't resonate with people, like, clearly, I think there's one thing to say about this show, did not resonate, did not resonate yeah. at all, considering that it has no footprint. I'm, I'm guessing I'm the only person, because I know, like, as I've uploaded the episodes on YouTube, they, they had... Each of the videos has a sizable amount of comments. Mm-hmm. So there are people that remember this show, but like, I guess it's a very like casual, like, oh, it's kind of like, 
like the commercials we discussed earlier, where it was like, oh, I remember this. You watched yeah. like one 15 minute segment. I'm done. Don't need any more of this. <laughs> yep. And I think going back to the segments, they're not, they're not endearing. Like I know like, like to now these stupid ghost shows that go into a place like ghost hunters or, or any of those, like that, that's a profitable thing, right? Or maybe not now, but it was in the last 10 years. That was a, yeah, yeah. It was, it was cheap to produce. And that's the reason why this show probably was green. It was that it was just insanely cheap to produce. You pay a couple of kids, probably a hundred bucks or maybe 200 bucks for the day. You send out a camera crew to watch them, give the kids some low quality cameras. Cause that's one thing I find hysterical watching this is that it's so obvious uh, on top of the fact that the camera angle, camera angles that give away where the the camera crew is doing this mm-hmm. plus the, when the kids record the quality of film is just it takes a nosedive oh yeah <laughs> and and it's just i don't know because like even like when they're before they get to the goosty uh, the ghosty spooky macabre stuff like in the environment they're interviewing people and the interviews take pl- are all filmed the exact same way low angle low dutch angle so we we're, yep. we're shooting people from from the ground up with the camera at like a 30 percent list to like the left or the right mm-hmm. and only two centimeters away from their face <laughs> well yeah they're not not as bad as with the kids when they interview the kids the fa- the camera's right in the kids faces yeah they do for, for the interviews before they go on their their hunting or haunting adventures whatever you want to call it um, those some of those camera angles are okay where they don't get too close you can see things other than this kid's face um, but, but some of them are pretty close, but like you said, Zach, all yeah. that angle, that same angle, it's, it's every shot. To see. Sometimes they shoot it from the left. Sometimes they shoot it from the right. It's like, it, I guess you know I mean, it's kind of like you can have any color you want as long as it's black. Yeah. As I was rewatching it, I had question. I kind of, uh, I framed my viewing of, of, of this under it. Mm-hmm. If I were to like, okay, we'll get to Don Wells now. Don Wells was the executive producer creator. There's another producer, but I haven't really seen his name on anything else. And my question would be to Don Wells, and I don't know if he would answer it, is that are the producers of this show are they aware how fake this is? <laughs> because the show is like never, and this is before things got meta. This is before like, whoa, look how crazy and zany this is, which is mm-hmm. now what everything in today's nothing can be goofy and taken at face value. Everything has to be meta and self-referential and mock how stupid it is. This show plays itself a hundred percent straight. Yeah, it's so obvious what's going on is being orchestrated. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I, I, com- I completely agree. And so, how do you rationalize or reconcile those two? Well, uh, I think you you hit the nail on the head with something you said before, where that you know they were aware to some extent that the market was younger kids, and you know they they could maybe not as they didn't just smooth a lot of those rough edges as much because they knew uh, really who was going to be seeing this. Um, I think that's a, a good possibility. Um, especially with all the other things you said, you know, with the quality of the cameras and, and things like that. And uh, maybe it wasn't, they didn't have the most money. They just kind of had a formula they wanted to follow and churn out some episodes for. I admit now that I'm probably thinking more about this show than anybody has ever had before. <laughs> probably people who created it. Mm-hmm. Much kind of like what Rob said, there's a very cynical, jaded answer to this. It was like, it was a job. Uh, ABC or Fox family could have gone to Don Wells or somebody went to hit or, or maybe the other way around saying the, the ghost stuff with people in the woods is popular. Go make a show. I'll make it real cheap. and It'll sell. 
And it's kind of the equivalent of a hot dog vendor on the side of New York Street. It's like, mm-hmm. there's no thought into it. I buy the hot dogs at like a dollar for like 30, dump them in the boiling water, and I sell them to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes, but, you think of, uh, makes you think of that scene in Ed Wood. I don't know if Zach's ever seen Ed Wood where they like they do a shot and it's the one of the stagehands is like oh that tombstone fell down and and Johnny Depp as Ed Wood is like no one cares about the details it's all about the big picture <laughs> and cut print we're moving on that was perfect perfect mr wood do you know anything about the art of film production well, I like to think so. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. Nobody will ever notice that. Filmmaking is not about the tiny details. It's about the big picture. The big picture? Yes. Then how about when the policeman arrived in daylight, but now it's suddenly night? What do you know? Haven't you heard of suspension of disbelief? But the only thing against the cynical part of me, though, is that there is a lot of craftsmanship and like I said, in those bumpers, and when the kids are going through, like, and it's not all the, some of the segments have really bad sound effects. Like, I know there's one where there's, there's cats, and they oh insert all God. the worst, they insert the worst stock <laughs> audio clips of cats possible. That might be my favorite, my favorite, like, sound clip from all these files, because I'm so glad you mentioned this. This was highlighted in my notes. Let's go. This is the train. This is the cat. You scared me. I think there's some kid and they're like in the haunted house and they're like, I think I hear a cat. And the kids scream. <laughs> it's yeah, and like but the problem is that there's segments like that where like the audio design is like oh, or I guess the audio editing is just like, oh god. So someone was just I guess it was late one night and someone just had to shove these all shove these out quick. Yeah. But yet there's other ones. Where again, going back to the Danny's bed, the uh, the haunted home video, where I'll insert, I'll do a rob here. I'm going to insert some clips. When Jason received the antique bed as a gift from his father, he knew it was old. old. He, he knew, knew it had history. history. What, what he, he did, did not know was that it was already occupied. The very first night I slept in my bed, I felt like somebody or something was watching me. There was something that was going on in his room that we couldn't explain. It was amazing how many different ways he was communicating with us. They don't go to the light when they first die. They're going to kind of stay where they died. I guess it was his bed, and he couldn't leave it. Me and my dad like to go to um, antique shops and auctions. Jason and I went to the uh, gallery, the antique auction gallery, and we were in hopes of finding an antique bed for his Christmas present. In the corner of of the auction company was his, um, his bed. The very first night I slept in my bed, I felt like somebody or something was watching me. They were leaning over my bed and just staring at me. The um, very next night, I felt like a cold breath was, like somebody was breathing on my neck. You know, I thought it was just a, just a draft or something. When this happened, I didn't tell my parents because I thought it was just me being a little paranoid. The last thing I thought it would be was a ghost, you know, messing with me. On the third night, 
I saw the pillow in my room, it dented in and it was flattened right in front of my eyes. And that's when he came talk to me. My mom didn't believe me. And I said, Jason, I said, there's got to be a logical reasoning for it. Well, I had a picture of my grandparents on one of my nightstands. The next morning when I woke up, my grandparents' picture was shattered. And that's when my mom was a little hysterical. She knew it wasn't me because I wouldn't break my own grandparents' picture. That's when we went to his daddy and said, there's something going on here. He says, well, it must be a spirit or a ghost or whatever. Then it entered into my head to, to ask the spirit if he wanted to uh, tell me his name. He said, whoever's out there, whatever you want. If you're here, write something to us. And I put down a pencil and paper. Walked out of the room. Shut the door. When we came back, he had wrote down Danny Sevens. That pretty much freaked me out right there. I found it very disturbing. I didn't want to sleep in there at all. Even though I said I've always believed in spirits and ghosts, but it was always somebody else's experience. It never was my experience. He wrote a note about his mother died in the bed in 1899, and that made us kind of sad, I guess, but it was kind of confusing because we didn't know if his mother had died in the bed or if Danny had died in the bed. He liked to play little jokes on us. He didn't want me to sleep in the bed at all. That was his bed. I laid on the bed and said, Danny, this is, um, my bed now. I was turned around to the closet where I couldn't see the other wall. I heard something cling off the wall. He said he heard it come off the wall. And I turned around and it looked like it was hovering right where it was hanging. And then it came flying at me. His terracotta head came across the room. I moved out of the way and it hit the um, closet door and shattered into a thousand pieces. I didn't know he had the power to do something like that. Ten minutes later, he went back to his room, and it was trash. The curtains were down, uh, the lamps was put down, the boys put the bed in the car again, and it went off to auction. And that's the last time it was at the house. When Danny's bed left Jason's house, so did Danny. The Savannah newspaper had, um, they had done a story on Danny's bed. My wife insisted that I purchase the bed. We had a security system and we never had any kind of difficulty with it. It was going off sometimes two and three times in the evening. A lot of our local customers that frequent the shop, they refused to come in. And so we decided to sell the bed. We had heard about Danny's bed, the haunted bed. And my daughter said, oh, I've got to have that bed. I've heard that he could get mad if you, like, sleep on the bed. That's why I never really mess with the bed. When I'd go in Danny's room, I'd feel a cold, uh, damp feeling. Those who are willing to listen are sometimes also lucky enough to hear. Psychic Connie Brannon was brought in to listen to, to Danny. Danny is an energy form at this time versus a form like us, and he can manifest himself as a person, but he doesn't, he, he manifests his energy different ways. Spirits can attach themselves to anything, to a car, to a ring, anything in their prior life that was very special to them in some way. The bed was a family heirloom, so when he died, he prefers to come visit this. This is something he knows, this is something he's comfortable with. I'm hearing the bed needs to have its own special place where it's not moved anymore. I feel, I, I feel sadness. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deep, sad, lonely feeling. I don't want to sell the bed because I feel like Danny needs a permanent place. And if my home and my garage is the permanent place for him, then I'm happy with that. Who or what appears for a fraction of a second in the flash of light on Heather's family Christmas video? <laughs> 
the sound design, like it is spooky as hell. Like, like much like Orson Welles said, when he wanted to make Citizen Kane and make movies, he sat and watched um, Stagecoach on repeat, just constantly kept watching it. And I think if you want to make a, an, an ambient spooky movie with today, you could go and watch the Danny's Bed and the Haunted Home video, mm-hmm. Green Man Tunnel, not so much. You can watch how the audio design of that, because I think over time I've come to learn, and plus it's kind of a, a rule when it comes to making movies or TV shows, it's 40% visual, 60% audio. Audio does so much heavy, so much of the heavy lifting, you're not even aware of it. And I think that's where, I, there, there's again, I don't know if the Danny's, I know it's a lot, you know, I think Danny's Bed aired um, later in the season. Okay. I, I don't know. Um, no, it was the first episode. That's what, Oh, okay, wow. Me, Okay, so that might be in the pilot. So that's maybe what they maybe that's the first episode they did and they sold it. Maybe that's the it's like any show. The pilot gets the most amount of money, then you gotta make do with what you have left over of the budget. Rest in peace, which is the Danny's bed segment, haunt, uh, haunted home video. Though that I guess that was the pilot. And that's I know even gotcha. when, I know when I found marketing like everyone okay, part of my also research, please, I implore if you're listening to this, read the article I wrote. I will link to it everywhere. I will probably be the title. The URL will be the title of this episode. <laughs> Read it. Oh, make the a whole essay the title. <laughs> yes. And yeah, no, I should do that. Because I know in the marketing materials, Haunted Home Video was one of the, ma- was one of the major talking points. Or it was okay. like one of the ones pushed. Because in my research, I found the waywaybackmachine.org. Mm-hmm. I found the, the original Fox Family website. And I know that was pushed heavily. There's yeah. even a, I know if you go on Google and type in real scary stories, you'll get like a, a marketing image and it's like of Danny's bed. And it's just somebody with a bed frame in the middle of their front lawn. There's like a boy pointing to it. Never <laughs> seen that image before until the Google thing. There's no uh, source or um, reference point to where it came from. Okay. I, I don't think anybody just made it because it comes across. It looks a little. It's not fanny enough for a, a, a fanny to like a fan create it. Yeah. Yet yeah. it seems like something someone would just rushed through as, as a marketing promotional image. Don't know, but I'm guessing now the reason why those, like I said, that episode is so good to watch because that probably was the pilot, and that's gotcha. why all the other episodes aren't that. Are the scenes show a little bit more than the other ones? Yeah. Like, like okay. one of the one, you know, my when I was growing up, my favorite segment was the Deacon because I always found it like a he was a good ghost. The Deacon was a good ghost, and it made yeah. the story a little bit more uh, easy to go down. But I know in that segment, like they have the it's like there's a shot. And Rob knows what I'm talking about, where it's like a candy jar moving, and they show it like every thirty seconds, and every single time, it's like it's very like even though you can't see the string that's pulling it, it's very obvious that's an effect. Mm-hmm. And every time they show that clip, it's either a, a somebody talking over it because at no point in the segment do we hear the girls who are in that segment say, "Oh my God, look at the candy jar moving." Yeah, um, yeah. Like, when you watch Ghost Hunters and something happens, uh, people are always like saying, like they're always highlighting, like, "Oh my God, did you see that door move?" Mm-hmm. There's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so then, that's just you know you see those scenes in the production where they're. Like I like you said earlier, and it's in your essay. You know, it's their producers are working to make you think what they want you to think. Yeah, this this is, might be another chicken and the egg dilemma here, though. But think about it. You, how is this design this show? Like clearly, they wanted to make a I don't want to say rip off, but a rip off homage to Blair Witch, or at least mm-hmm. ape off the success of that, considering how financially successful that movie was. Yeah. And so, how do you do this? Like, let's say you have. However, they got in contact with these kids. So let's say you we're, we're forget about the pilot for right now. 
but let's pick one like Bachelor's Grove. Okay, okay. You have the, the two girls who are by the pond and the, and the boy who's in the graveyard. And so, okay, you know it's a haunted cemetery. Fine, haunted cemetery. E- easy premise to sell someone on. Mm-hmm. Yet, the two girls claim in this segment that they hear, that they see something out in the distance. They think it's their, 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 their friend who's the, the guy, and they don't know. How do you, because obviously a lot of production design went into the fact after this was filmed, how do you design this? Like when Don Wells or whoever the, 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 whatchamacallit, the segment director, whose Mm -hmm. name is Marjorie Connolly. Um, I don't think Don Wells was on set for any of this, maybe for the pilot, that was it. Again, we're just going to reference him because his name's plashing on this more than anyone else's. So if you're Marjorie Connolly, the segment's director, and you're tasked by Don Wells to say, okay, do this, do you go in with an outline? Like, do you go in, because some of these kids, I, I'm not, I don't know if these kids are good actors, but these, some of these kids seem spooked. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's tough to say overall, but, you know, uh, you know, after seeing as much of the show as we watched, kind of sometimes I get the case, get the sense that it's like, oh man, these kids are really scared, something like that. Sometimes I get the sense that they're, they are acting or actors or acting to some extent. The Bachelor's Grove segment, that's a good one to bring up because that is the one where I think, you know, the, the two girls actually, I think it's one of the only cases where they're like, we saw a person type of thing. I think in a lot of these segments, they don't, it's usually just a noise is heard. Something isn't really seen. So how, to, how to do that? Do you have an outline? I would say yes to that. I think that's a good, a good start because this segment kind of screamed to me that they they were saying lines at certain points. Like there's there's one juncture where you know the, I think the guys like I want to stay here, but the girls are like no, we're gonna go on this trail. And there's one point where it's like one of the girls is like being asked to go alone, and the girls like I don't want to walk down that trail alone. And it's like clearly you know the camera crew would be going with you. And so it's like why would you ever say that? Like I think a a real person in that situation wouldn't be like. I don't want to, they wouldn't say I don't want to go alone because a whole, someone with lights is going to be following them. So that one made me seem like, it made me think it was more of an acting, or and like it was set up to some extent. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, it definitely does. I don't think, well, unless we get a specific answer from somebody involved with this show, I don't know if we'll ever get a definitive answer, because it's very clear, it's a yes yeah, or no yeah. answer. It's mm-hmm. either yes, uh, we coach these kids, or B, no, we kind of hope for the best. Like if something wasn't working, we had to shove it in after the fact. Yeah. Like with Danny's bed in uh, the haunted home video, there is none of that, that, Oh man, look, we caught something on camera. It's all after the fact stories. Mm-hmm. Like in mm-hmm. Danny's bed, they, they show the bed very for a very limited portion of that, but it's all stories after the fact. Yes. Same thing with haunted home video yet. Green man tunnel, oddly enough would send, set the template for the rest of the series. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, I think I like those. Like, Haunted Home Video was definitely one of my favorite segments of all these. And I think that's exactly why, is because it was focusing more on just kind of the story than, like, here's a little bit of information. Let's see how people actually interact with it in the setting. But without getting too much, because I still want to get back to the fact of trying to discern how much of this is real and how much of this is fake. Mm-hmm. Considering that it's much easier to do a Danny's bed or a haunted home video segment, why would they? Ch- I think those segments are much more effective, both for a child watching it 
and mm-hmm. as an adult. Yet they chose the low. I don't even want to say the low hanging fruit because I guess you don't get that Blair Witch flavor from those two segments. Yes, definitely. But it's weird because they they don't go back to okay. There are five episodes out in the ether, mm-hmm. but from what I can remember, they don't ever go back to that 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 uh, style of storytelling again. They don't go back to it. Okay, maybe that was um. Maybe these, are the, these are rhetorical yeah. questions. No, nobody has an answer to these. Unless, oh, of course. Unless Don <laughs> Wells answers me, which I will. You know what? We're getting to the Don Wells thing right now. Um, a couple years ago, I wrote. I found Don Wells has a new production company. It's called Quinn Wells Entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's. I guess he's based out of New York because even uh, Highland, which ends every single uns, uh, Real Scary Stories episode, you see the Highland logo or a thing with the little girl with the gumball coming out of her hand. Yeah, that's some terrible CGI. <laughs> Early 2000 CGI at, at its finest. <laughs> and and so he has a new company. I wrote to him. I actually mailed him a letter figuring, okay, I basically I summed up what I said at the beginning of this. It was about, I don't know, two paragraphs long. I said, I, 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 I'm a huge fan. I want to know the show's been with me for, at the time, 14 years, or no, 15 years. And it's like, uh, please, I, I don't care. Just, just write back to me. I don't care what you write. Just t- acknowledge my existence. Yeah. <laughs> and never got anything back. Damn. Never got anything back, which is like, it, which it, at least my letter didn't get returned to me. So yeah. I'm calling that a win. But <laughs> so, so you hope that somewhere someone read it. <laughs> I, I would hope so, considering that nobody gets mail anymore. So the fact you get like one letter, it's like, oh, this must be important. See, that's that's the interesting interesting thing. I think Zach and I have talked about this before. We could probably do a whole episode of the podcast about it. But, you know, when I get if I get like a real paper letter, I'm like, it's a scam. Like someone's trying to scam me. This is this is not worth my time. So who knows what he thinks? He's older than us, I would assume much older. Maybe he has a, uh, a different viewpoint on it. Marjorie Connolly, who I mentioned, who's the segments director, I found through some research, I found her uh, resume. I guess she still she still does uh, she still works in the film industry, and I it had her email. I think like a Gmail address, so it wasn't like I was like writing to her. I, I had in the segments line like real scary stories, and like, I wrote to her like an email saying like mm-hmm. big fan. I'm writing an article. I love considering you're the segment. I think she was listed on like all the segments. It's like the director, so she was like she was there from. I know she directed the. She did uh, Danny's bed. And okay. haunted home video, and I know she did a bunch of other ones as well. So like she was there from the beginning, and I'm like, I, I please, like I, I even told her, like, I just have questions about the show. I said, if you don't want me to comment or, or ask any questions about the authenticity of the macabre nature of the show, I will completely <laughs> forego that. Or if you do want to comment it on it, it'll be off the record. Sure, never, never heard back from her either. Damn. And I know at the time the resume I found wasn't that old because I think I did all this research at the beginning of 2016. And I think the last thing that was dated, I think, was like maybe like November of 2015. Oh, wow. So it was, so it was rather recent. It wasn't like I found yeah. like a dead resume from like 10 years ago. Definitely. So I don't, again, it's another example of nobody want, nobody about the show wants to talk about it. And then even getting into the YouTube, like in the YouTube comments. I've had people that have been on the show and worked on it comment in the in the uh, comment section. Like in the very first segment for Gurdon's Light, there's a woman called uh, Lori Russo who's a, who's an, listed as an eyewitness for uh, Gurdon's Light, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh wow, I can't believe you found this." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, because obviously once because I think her username was was Lori Russo, unless she was lying, and maybe it was someone trying to pull a fast one on me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know who would do that, but sure. Just for the sake of argument, let's pretend it was the real person. And I'm like, oh, what was it like working on the show? Like, I responded immediately. 
Never heard back from her either. God, maybe maybe there's like some really terrible thing that happened at the end of the production of the first season and everybody had I, to sign a non-disclosure agreement? <laughs> well, it didn't, okay, well, it's funny you bring that up because, and then I, after her, this is like, because my episodes have been up since August 2011. Yeah. And then, like, sometime between now, then and now, September 2018, I got someone who worked as, like, I think, a, an editor, a sound editor on the project. He's like, oh, like, I'm like generic. I'm so glad to see this comment. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm like, dude, tell me something about this show. Like, nobody wants to talk about this. I think this is like an Area 51 secret at some point. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm onto some level of a conspiracy here. Yeah, for like, real. I feel like I, once I talk to Don Wells, he's going to be able to tell me where the, the Noah's Ark is, who shot JFK, and where the Holy Grail is. <laughs> and, and like I told him that I'm like, please, why is there nothing about this show? And the people who do exist, who worked on it, refuse to talk about it. And he's like, it was just he, his comment was really disingenuous. He's like, it was just a project, it was just a job. And I'm like, oh. that's, and like, it's basically, I kind of, not that he shut me down, but he's like, it was just a job, it was money. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but why why is why are the people who are who worked on it so reluctant to talk about it like if it was just a job you wouldn't if somebody asked you about it, it's like why don't you say i'm not taking questions like i'm glad you like it i don't want to discuss it have a nice day yeah like, it, that that answer seems like he's he's dodging to some extent as well cuz that doesn't doesn't explain everybody like you know my response would be like well there had to be at least one person who worked on this that saw it as a little bit more than just a job, right? That could have been everybody. You'd think. And that's why even going back to Don Wells, like Don Wells, no, I don't want to take anything away from him or, mm-hmm. or or crap on him at all, though. But I wouldn't say, like, he hasn't done anything high profile. Yeah. He's not Jerry Bruckheimer. He's not He's not like that. Like, you look at his filmography, he hasn't done much in the last decade. Like, he's done a couple of things here and there, though. So if he were to get a letter about this and be like, Oh, this person wants to talk to me, or even like it's like just even if he doesn't want to talk about it, how long does it take? Because I even put my email address. I know nobody uses snail mail except for me. <laughs> like write an email saying hi Zach, glad you liked the show, glad it had an impact on you. Uh, this was a uh, this happened in the past. That part yeah. of my life is over. I'm glad you enjoy it. Have a nice day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't contact me again. It's like like regarding real scary stories. Uh, how hard is that? It takes 10 seconds. Yeah, you, you are exactly right. Um, this is some sage wisdom you're dishing out right here. It's, it's easy, and it's probably better in the long run. I didn't know he was a merman. <laughs> and see, just a 10-second email, you would have known, right? <laughs> I had no idea he was a merman. Oh, my God. Like, like, and, and even, okay, so let's going back to um, whether the show was real or fake. Uh, part of my research for this, I don't even know how I came. Like, I, I go back and read my article because at this point it's two and a half going on three years old. And I don't even know how I found half this information because, as like, it's funny, in Rob, anybody who's done research on the internet knows, like, if you keep just typing in the right words, you'll find something. Mm-hmm. It's weird how the internet works that way where you just keep pulling on a thread and you'll be shocked at how far it goes or how far you fall down the rabbit's hole. And in doing this, it's weird. Like, I'll type in different, like, uh, some of the episodes. Like, I realize, like, oh, instead of just typing, like, if you type in Real Scary Stories TV Show, you'll find a bunch of just websites that have saved my videos or my uploads of the videos. Because sure. my videos are very distinct because of how this grainy they are. They have, obviously, the VHS. There, there's wear in certain places. So you know my ep- 
what I uploaded is really the, at this point, as sadly as it sounds, the master copy of this. Yeah, yeah. So you'll find that, I know a couple of people have uploaded to like Daily Motion, other places, which is fine. It's not mine. Do whatever you want with it. Sp- spread as fa- far and wide as you can. Get the message yep. out there. <laughs> but like, I realize if you type in like real scary stories with some of these like like Myrtle's Plantation, or I don't know the Vortex, you'll find. Fa- I actually found Google Books, like books Google's has digitized, mm-hmm. where real scary stories is in the reference section or oh section. My God, it'll say things like, "Oh, like the Vortex or ba- Bachelor's Grove." was documented or there was a visit there by the Fox Family TV series in 2000. Hot damn, look at that. <laughs> and I'll look at that and be like, how on earth is somebody writing a reference book in like, or not writing a reference book, but somebody writing a book in 2005 come across this and then reference it? So it wasn't readily available. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, really interesting point. That's crazy. I never would have expected you to find something like that. And it's not just one. Th- I found it at least. I, I want to say at least twice, maybe three times. Okay. okay. Where it would just show up. And it would show up again. It's a footnote in something. Like that's all it was. It wasn't anything lengthy. It was never about the show itself. It was always in connection to the fact that the show visited spooky locale. Sure. That's all it was. And so, but that was just one of the many threads that I came on. And one of them was for the Agnes in the Wall segment. Type that into into Google. And it came across that someone named Erin Bushko, who I'm guessing is an actress, she actually was the one featured in Agnes in the Wall, where she goes into the school and the, and the school arm rings. Okay, yeah, yeah. She apparently is an actress now mm. that worked, uh, that worked. I don't know if she's still working, worked on uh, The Walking Dead. She was a zombie. Oh, okay. So Because, ha- because how I found her was I, uh, I found, a, a, this is how I found out about Marjorie Connolly. There was a Gazette.net article recounting her experiences filming the segment she was in, mm-hmm. and and that's and that's one of the few episodes or I guess uh, articles that actually gives you a little bit of meat like how the show was. And I think in the article, Marjorie Connolly's like, yeah, it was a really spooky location, and like Marjorie oh, Connolly says, like, oh, like this is a really like like spooky thing, like spooky weird things were happening. Like I didn't know. Like I, I'm paraphrasing here. I'd, Sure. Uh, don't yeah. take it literally. But like it was like that. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I typed in Aaron Bushko's name into um, Google. And she wrote, I think, in like in a Facebook post in 2012. Like, so I stumbled across my episode of Real Scary Stories. Parenthetical. I was in high school when I filmed it. LOL. And parenthetical. Found it on YouTube. And apparently they air on sci-fi and chiller sometimes. How weird. And, and she links to my the one I uploaded. It's my sure. video. And yet... I, you look at the comments because like it has like three comments. One of them's one of them like two of the comments are stupid, and one of them is from one person. Like I show I show that to people all the time. Okay, and I don't know what that means, <laughs> but I show people time though. But it's just another example of like she mentioned it and nobody glommed onto it. It's just yeah. and and I think I found her um I found her resume. She has a website. And I found her resume and she and, her, and she listed as her first acting job. Oh. Does, Look at that. So does that mean as an acting job as in her first appearance in the show business? Yeah, her first or... acting job because it was acting, literal acting. Yes, yes. And I know even Interesting. in that segment, because I, I rewatched the episode, I, I gave that one a little bit more scrutiny than the others. Because I know a couple of times she's like, oh, I'm spending the uh, the night alone in the school. And they show her like in the cot sleeping and at like mm-hmm. 3 a.m. The, 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 the bell goes ding, 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 ding. 
and they show her going to look for the bell and it's yeah. it's the camera crew filming her from mm-hmm. behind and i'm like well this defeats the whole point of the, ep- the segment then because clearly she's not alone in the school yeah but at, but i was looking at it too and trying to think could they have filmed that at a different time and just because i know the show edits all the editing's all over the place they throw in whatever, whatever works for dramatic effect they throw it in even if it doesn't oh, make yeah. sense in a continuity sense yep so they just did they just throw that in there for the sake of it just works? I don't know. It's 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 part of the mystery of this show where it's just there's evidence on both sides of this is clearly staged. Yet mm-hmm. there's also evidence like we discussed with Bachelor's Grove. Uh, you it's really hard to get fourteen year old girls to convincingly pretend like they're scared if they're not. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so, okay. Interesting. So I know even like uh, one of the segments is they're going into the prison. And all the kids are afraid of, like, the solitary confinement or the quarters. Mm-hmm. And they all, like, start running out of there. And it shows them running out the door. And the next shot is an exterior shot of the building of them running out. <laughs> yeah. So clearly, somebody had to tell them, stop. Let the cameraman go outside. Pick a, pick a, pick a, a correct angle, a, a shot, lock the camera down. And then start filming. Then have them run out. Yeah, yeah. It's um, You're exactly right. And, you know, it, it makes me... It makes anybody when they when you think about that you know think that it's staged to some extent, uh, because that's exactly what they do on like reality shows today. You know, it's like uh, when they they uh, have to do family stuff. Like a contestant's been on the whole season, and then it's like, oh, they're gonna go home for the first time, and the camera people are already in the home. Like when they show up, and they're all like the parents get excited. It's like you you know it's staged. Like the camera crew had to show up. It's not like the camera crew broke into the house and the parents didn't know about it. So yeah, it, it seems like there's evidence for it. But like you said, you know, is it just uh, is that stuff being done on the whole? Or is it being done just for those kind of smoothness of editing scenarios? And like you said, we, we need a specific answer. We don't know. Yeah, and that's what, and the weird, again, this is the, the ultimate mystery or the, uh, I don't want to say paradox, but kind of the, the mystery of this is that with any other show, whether it be Ghost Hunters, I know there was another show at the time on Fox Family called Scariest Places on Earth. Oh, yeah, we get to see a lot of commercials for that, yes, too. Yes, there's a lot of commercials <laughs> for Scariest Places on Earth. And... Those shows so obviously show their scenes. It's so obvious to, to discern what's authentic and what's not with those shows. Mm-hmm. Yet with this, they do like every once in a while, like they're doing, they're trying wholeheartedly to hide the seams. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And only not, to not, a keen observer. Trying is a very good way to put it. Yes. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say trying because I think only to a keen observer. Would you be able to see through it? Like we're we are scrutinizing it. If you scrutinize it, you will see through a lot of the stuff. And even as we scrutinize it, there are things that we can't explain, not in a, a mystical sense, but in editing. It's like, oh, sure. oh okay, okay. Like, I, I think that's the weird thing because like th- th- there was a lot of effort that went into this show. You do not get sound design like this. You do not get that sort of effort into a show nobody cared about. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah, that it was just a job for money. You know, of course. Exactly, and that's and that's the mystery with this. You think obviously somebody had to. There's 13 episodes. Somebody had to pour hours of their life into this. Mm-hmm. And I know, especially today, now where all these things are being uh, found again or being unearthed, you'd think for somebody who was like a, a sound engineer for Don Wells 
in the early late nineties, early two thousands to have somebody be like, Oh, I absolutely love what you did to this. I want to interview you and figure out how you were able to do this. You think most people would be tickled, tickled fancy by that. Exactly. It's going to give them publicity, going to give them publicity and it's going to give their old project publicity. Exactly. It's kind of like what we talked with Ryan Katzenbach with Titanic sending the myths. Yep. It's like Ryan didn't have to take our interview. He knows that we are a, a third rate podcast. It's he didn't have to do that though, but he knew that we were genuinely interested in his his work, mm-hmm. and we wanted to peek behind the curtain and see how he was able to do it, how he was able to craft it all. Yeah, that it, that's what makes me really think there's some some legally binding contract that is is keeping real scary stories away from us for some reason. Well, and I think this is because I, I we want to kind of wrap this up, but I think this goes into the legacy of this show. In that, like, anybody who knows anything about uploading, like, YouTube is a definition of a copyright hound, mm-hmm. copyright Nazi, and if anything's even slightly put up that has, that's, anything gets taken down. They, yeah. they don't mess around. This has been up now for seven years, and not once have I ever gotten even anything, like a copyright strike, mm-hmm. or we've taken this down, or, or even like a, they'll sometimes take it down, like, oh, you can't monetize this. I could have monetized these videos. Yeah. I, I, I would never do that because it's not mine, but I could have done that. Some of the videos have over 100,000 views. I could have made, like, I could have bought a Big Mac at this point. <laughs> or at the very least, I could have bought a wheelbarrow filled with Big Macs. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and, that's a really good point. I didn't think and, about that one. And do you, I, I think Rob knows the answer to this, but Rob, do you know who owns Real Scary Stories? Would it be Disney now? Yeah, Disney owns this. Oh boy! So does this fall into our freak conversation where this isn't the image that they want to portray? I don't even think they're aware of this. Oh, I, oh. I, I don't this even think this is so an far here. down at the bottom of the barrel from all the stuff they got from Fox and and whatnot that well, well, this they is don't before Fox. Was it? Because when they bought Fox Family, that was that had nothing to do with uh, News Corp. That was something else. It was just, oh, just the name. Okay, okay. When okay. they bought Fox Family, it was because uh, um, Don Wells didn't own, didn't own this. Obviously, he produced it. His production yeah. company made the show. He's the creator of it, though. But it's the entity. And I even found I, I have it somewhere. I found the uh, trademarks for the name in the patents office. Okay. And it says last. I don't think it's been renewed. I think the copyright. I think we, we could actually buy the name if we wanted to. <laughs> We're um, doing a revival. <laughs> we could. Like in all honesty, like I think last time I looked it up, I think it wasn't. It, it was up for renewal. I think in two thousand nine, and there's actually a person's name attached to who's I think uh, who worked for Disney at the time. Does I don't think works there anymore. Okay. And it's it's up for renewal, but it says last. It says owner or last owner was Disney. Oh wow! Okay. They might not. Own, they might not own the name anymore. They obviously own the. Um, they they own the the, the thirteen episodes, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the weird thing, though, is that Disney owns this. And they've owned it since two thousand one. Wow. Okay. And yet, and that's the weirdest thing about it. this show. That's like the definition of obscurity. Nobody remembers it. There's like even like um, Rob knows my crusade over the last few months to try to find the Spider-Man PSAs. Mm-hmm. You go on the Lost Media wiki. I've even I, there's not even entry there on that. Oh wow! It doesn't wow. exist. It, like, you go on. You type on looking on like forums of like nostalgia TV shows, like 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 ninety only nineties kids will remember this. Nobody remembers this show. Like and I know that this is another story Rob remembers. Even while I was in I was in 
high school, college, I would show people this show and say, do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Nobody remembers this show because Rob yeah, yeah. has a memory of when I showed it to him in high school. And I, I uh, that's my first experience with it. I don't even remember hearing about this when I was younger. And I remember even um, in uh, Josh from Un- Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries in his uh, Facebook group for his podcast, I posted that and I was saying like, oh, this is like my stepping stone to like liking things like Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. And I posted in there and that group had like, has like thousands of members. Nobody remembered it there either. Oh, damn. Like, like it's like, it's like a collective, it's, oh, what's the word? It's like my own personal nightmare. Like, yeah, that's the, yeah. That's the there, weird thing about this show. It's like nobody else somehow remembers it except for me. There's, I think there's some term for that. I just can't remember what it is. It's like in Men in Black 3 when Will Smith is like the only person that remembers that Tommy Lee Jones used to be a, a thing. I don't know if Zach saw Men in Black 3. It's like that's been used in literature and media is like one person notices a change that everyone else is Is that the Mandela of. effect? Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't think I could define the Mandela effect off the top of my head. Okay, well, Rob defines that right now for us. <laughs> we talked about, like, Freak as a, a piece of media that might disappear. Freak at least has a DVD. It has a Blu-ray. The The Mandela effect is when a collective group of people... Oh, well, I guess it falls in this category. Then a collective group of people have a false memory. We're talking more about that a lot of people forgot something, but I guess you could consider it the Mandela effect. If you say that like everybody else except Zach replaced this with like, you know, a non-existent spot or something like that. They replaced their memory of this show with the absence of the show. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe this is like a special case of the Mandela effect. (laughs) But like, where we going back to freak though? Like we talked about like, there was like a poster that poster only had 175 copies. Yes, yeah. So I know last week I said I had like a thousand. It's even less. It was, it was a, a fraction of that. But like, freak exists. People mm-hmm. like, like, like Rob can hold his DVD, the officially released DVD in his hand to be like, I have this, and no, like Alex Winter exists. He does yeah. interviews on this. Yet this show never got a DVD release. It's never been on any streaming platforms. It's never leaked. It's like considering that, like, like the reason why Disney is buying Fox is because they want content. Like, here you go. Like, obviously, <laughs> yeah. people aren't, I imagine other than me, I'd be the only person on the face of this earth that if they heard Disney was putting this on their streaming service would just sign up. Like, what's your reason for signing up on the Disney <laughs> streaming service? <laughs> Real scary stories. <laughs> like, I think I'm the only person that would actually do that. On top of the fact I have the unique title of the person that's thought about the show more than anybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know though. Like it's a show that's been a completely forgotten, and b it, it other than if it weren't for me, I don't mean to sound pompous, but if it weren't for me, this show really wouldn't have a legacy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sure what it seems like. Uh, you know, like Zach mentioned at the start of this, and probably throughout. You know, I haven't been able to find anything about this. Um, the closest thing I've ever found is that at some point in history. You know, in like, I think maybe 2006, 2007 is the date on it. Someone was trying to put this out there on torrent websites. But currently, you know, you can just find the listing. No one's seeding it or anything like that. So it's it's basically, you know, moot. It just shows that someone somewhere has thought about this. But we already knew that. <laughs> it's one of those things where 
I, I was well not until lat or I guess February of 2017 when Daniel W like messaged me. He's like, it wasn't mm-hmm. even on one of my videos. Like I know somebody uploaded a video like real scary stories, like promos, like one of those like commercials. Okay. And like the person who uploaded them, like I message, like a meet, like every like couple of months, I'll sit there go search for new information, hoping I hopefully I find something. Yeah, yeah. And like I found that video, like I met, like I commented, I'm like, please tell me you have some episodes, and the guy's like, sorry. Uh, this is all I have. I just and, have a fucking commercial for some reason. <laughs> well, because you, well, it's kind of like like uh, anything else. Like you record something on like I don't know. Maybe you tape the movie or something. And it just it was a commercial for the thirteen days of Halloween. It's, yeah, it's better uh, than then how do how do you make the how do you make the jump? I, I would yet to talk to the person, but it's just like oh man, maybe I'll post this commercial for this thing. Like how well, do you how do you have that yeah. thought? You know. Well, think about it. Like, if I came across, like, let's say I found a videotape of, like, I don't know, I recorded uh, Sabrina goes down under. I had no idea he was a mer- man. <laughs> yeah. I found the tape somewhere, and it had a commercial for Real Scary Stories. I would upload it. I would better than nothing. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, you would. Uh, is, <laughs> was this person like a diehard fan? Like, was he just as? Like on a crusade to find these things as you were, and that's why he was uploading them, uploading the commercial. I don't know. That's well, okay. That that is where I'm getting at in the question. Okay. Because if if he's not, then that is just nonsense that he would randomly upload that video, right? Like, or unless his YouTube channel is just commercials. Well, maybe <laughs> I, I I don't know because like because that's how I got in contact with Daniel W, who gave me the latter four episodes. Was because. He saw my comment there, and he replied, like, hey, are you still looking for episodes? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes. He's like, oh, I have these episodes. And at first, I figured, oh, God, he's going to have the exact same ones that I, yeah. I That's always my nightmare. It's like, oh, someone will find more episodes of this show. It'll be the ones I already have. And yet, surprisingly, it was four I, it was a, it was four I didn't have. And I'm like, oh, God. And that's what, again, it was through that video. He didn't comment on my video. He did it on this other guy's. Okay. And I even know that there's another video. I think I've told Rob this off mic before. There's a guy who did a recap of the, like, like one of those, like, I don't want to say stupid, but like one of those ones, it's, it's like an eight minute, like, nostalgic, like, review of the entire series. Okay. And it's entirely in Spanish. Oh, yeah. I remember you talking about that. Okay. Yeah. And you look at, and, and that video has, I think, like a dozen comments. And I actually went through and I translated them all through Google Translate. Mm-hmm. And all the comments are like, oh, I watched this show in like Chile, mostly South American countries. It's like, oh, I watched this in uh, Nicaragua. It's like you had the Spanish dub. Apparently there was a Spanish dub at some point. (laughs) That would be interesting. If the other episodes do come out, I wouldn't be surprised if they're either in a a non-English dub. Yeah. Or they're the scary but true version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I, I guess I should say that 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 is what's listed on the, the torrent site that I've seen is the scary but true, not the real scary stories. Yeah. And and it's weird because like I have one of the Scary But True episodes. Like I said, I don't know where it is. And I know in 2010, they aired a two-hour block on the Chiller channel for that. And unfortunately, I caught it like at the last episode. It was running I already had. And I think I've never screamed so loud in my life before when I mm-hmm. saw that. I don't know. Because like, I, I, it's funny. Another part of my history was that once, and this is one of my ultimate If I've ever had an, a list of ultimate regrets in my life, this is one of them. I went for an internship at the Sci-Fi Channel for for uh, I'm sorry, an interview for an internship at the Sci-Fi Channel, which in the Chiller Channel was a subsidiary of Comcast of all the networks. And mm-hmm. I met the woman who was the VP of like original content for Sci-Fi Chiller. And to this day, I, I regret not asking her, 
there was this TV show called Real Scary Stories. <laughs> Could you help me in locating it? Like to this day, it drives me nuts that I didn't bring that up as a topic. Sure, sure. No, that that's fair. Yeah, that's it's like, just like uh, I'm bummed that I didn't take a picture of the Skinwalker. I decided to scream at it instead. <laughs> exactly. It's just one of those another another Cinemonti's mystery. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's that's an interesting. A lot of interesting points you bring up. And I think this is really, like I said at the start, where the intriguing part of this show comes into play. Like Zach said, you know, go watch this stuff. Check it out. There's some creepy points to it. Uh, he really likes it. I'm kind of, you know, neutral well, on it. Well, for the, for the record, as I watched this, and I told Rob when he was getting into this, a little bit of this show goes a long <laughs> way. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah. As, as, we, as we're kind of winding down on this, again, you need to watch the, the Danny's Bed and you need to watch that first episode. Watch that episode with Danny's bed. And then after that, I'd say the only other one that you really have to watch, not have to, after the, you only need to see that one. If you want to get a flavor for what we're talking about, just watch Danny's bed, that whole episode. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to get into a little bit more of this, maybe the Myrtle's Plantation, just because that's a, most people know, people know what that is to a certain degree or have a yeah. casual understanding of it. Other than that, because yeah. I, I remember when I was younger watching the Myrtle's Plantation, that shot where they show like the woman, like it's like the silhouette of like the woman and the two kids like on the roof. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, like I remember that one. Like, that just that spooked the living daylights out of me. Like I remember that picture. And as I was rewatching, because that was part of Daniel's episodes, as I was rewatching that back in February 2017, I knew when that was coming. I hadn't seen <laughs> it in like 15 years, but I okay. knew exactly when it was coming. Because it, it, it scared the living daylights out of me. Yeah, Much like how sure. I how I mentioned the uh, the firehouse thing with the, the upside down or the mat the drama mask. Mm-hmm. The show works in very brief moments, like in exercise. If you want, ha- like in academic sense, if you want to know how to do effective sound design. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But but I won't even say is I guess maybe this is how we'll kind of tri- uh, maybe we'll do our cinematic late night stats first, then get into snacks. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes the most sense. But as a cinemodity, uh, wholeheartedly yes. I think this is a, uh, a it's not like an array, it's not a Hall of Fame or a, or a magnum opus or anything mm-hmm. like or a masterpiece. But in the sense of like, it's much like Men, Women, and Children in Book of Henry, and that it's just it's an oddity. Okay, okay. And I think that oddity status would disappear overnight if it just got. Like, think about it. In all honesty, Disney could upload this to YouTube, and it, yeah. it wouldn't cost them a nickel. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe it would. Maybe maybe it would because it's okay. <laughs> maybe I'm, one whole back. nickel. <laughs> well, maybe because well, maybe Screen Actors Guild. Maybe every time it gets, de- I don't know. Okay, two nickels. Well, yeah, because I know I know there's certain rules of the Screen Actors Guild that like with actor. I don't know. Maybe maybe nobody involved with this was unionized. Who knows? Mm-hmm. All these kids. <laughs> maybe Aaron Bushko. Maybe it's not worth it because there is maybe if you take any old property and you re-air it, just there's. It costs the money, whether it be a fifty cents or maybe it costs like five thousand dollars. You just got to pay something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the people involved with this were unionized. I, considering that's Hollywood show business, I would imagine it would be. Like I said, the, the cinema—it's definitely a cinemati. All it would take would be for it to get an official release in any capacity, and it would just—it's it, oddy stats would just dissipate in front of us. See, that's—I agree with you completely, and that's part of the reason. For exactly what you just said, that it's kind of could evaporate so quickly, that status. That's why I think I want to say no about a cinemodity. 
because I think without the background and how difficult it has been for you and for really everyone to find episodes of this show, without that, I don't think the show is interesting. I don't think the show is, you know, groundbreaking in any extent. Like, it doesn't intrigue me. It's just another kind of, you know, scary horror thing for kids with some, you know, a few cool ideas thrown in. Great sound editing, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's enough for me to say cinemodity. So I'm going to say no on that one. The... The the physical, like, files that I have that Zach has sent me, of course, those are cinemodities. Uh, and I would say, like, the history or the aura of this show, maybe, is a cinemodity. The context. The context around yeah. the show is more of a cinemodity, maybe, than the actual show itself. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Now, for pretty much the same reason, I would say yes to late night movie. Um Maybe not a whole, def- definitely not the whole four hours, definitely not a whole two hours. <laughs> Maybe one segment without the commercials to show to somebody because it is, uh, I like the idea of, you know, kind of the, the haunted, spooky, scary stuff at late at night. Uh, but maybe just to get an idea if the person you're showing it to has seen it before. You know, maybe using a late night movie in a different way. You know, when you have someone in your clutches, you're not trying to really get a response out of them from this film or this media. You just want to know, again, another data point if they've heard of this show before. So I'm going to say yes to late night movie for that reason. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say yes for almost the exact same reason. I, like I've already said numerous times, that Danny's Bed haunted home video. Mm-hmm. De- definitely. Uh, for the record, before we, before we move on to uh, Snack... Uh, the haunted home video. I've I've always called that. Even when I was younger, I used to call it the moldy uh, marshmallow man ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. You, I remember that. <laughs> that that was one of my favorite terms. That's how I kind of like uh, what's the word? Um, desensitized myself to it because it scared the living daylights out of me. Mm-hmm. And I, I just found that interesting. And just one last thing about that: if I thought it was interesting, like in this segment, they, this is another part of like whether it's real or not. It shows them in front of a TV. We never see the TV. I think we get one shot of the TV with all the like the kids watching. Yeah. And we see them all scream. What a lot of people are missing from their ghost stories is the actual proof to show you right here. And I have that. My family has that. We have a videotape of a ghost. We were watching a video of our Christmas when I was, I think, three. You could see a figure between two frames of videotaping, and we thought, what is that? We were kind of bowled over by the whole thing. We, we couldn't figure out what it was. It was a new tape. It wasn't anything we had taped. We know that for a fact. We just knew it, it was something mysterious. For a while, we didn't let Heather watch the video because we thought it was scary. And as a matter of fact, Drew has not seen it yet. Tonight, I'm going to see the ghost for the first time. Hope I'm going to stay in the room. It's going to be very scary for me, and I don't know what I'm going to do. We have captured a ghost. You can all earn. I always What did Heather and her friends see on that tape that made them scream? The image of Heather's ghost follows. 
And it's like, wait, what? It's like, okay, what did they see? You go back, they have like the, the videographer, mm-hmm. the video editor with the FBI agent, and they're like, this is like one thirty second of a second. Retired special agent Tom Benton has worked on thousands of cases in his 27 years with the FBI. Special agent Benton has never seen a ghost. At least not yet. I have here the tape that um, is the original tape of uh, that contains this uh, alleged ghost it was a new tape it wasn't anything we had taped we know that for a fact but i think a videotape is um, an excellent piece of evidence you would uh, want to f- freeze whatever frames there were that perfectly uh, or as best identified the perpetrator <laughs> why don't we go take a look at it and this is rolling at regular speed 30 frames a second see it's changing from one inch to the other and as it changes you see a flash of what looks to be like a couple of flashes of red in there so there is something there it's just at regular speed it's kind of hard to tell what it is so let's go back we're stepping back one frame at a time there is Okay, well, that's not just a flash. There's something in there. Let's uh, frame enhance it. And let's blow it up. And there it is. It appears to be a um, female wearing uh, some type of Western attire that would be worn in the late 1800s or so. This appears to be a rifle, that being the button, that being the barrel. Here you can see the rifle butt is close to the body here it's pulled away the, the question that i have here is um if you're saying this is one thirtieth of a second basically is that correct yes that is one thirtieth of a second from the one frame to the next in microseconds here you, you have two different positions that type of movement in say one thirtieth of a, a second is uh, inconsistent of what the human body can do and that in itself is uh, you know peculiar and, and questionable after reviewing the tape, I would conclude that there is no satisfactory explanation as to how that image um, came up on the videotape. I'm like, how on earth could any, like, unless you know it's there and you're deliberately going through frame by frame. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't know that was there. Yeah, because like you said, you know, it, it, it like this guy appears for literally only like, what, five frames or something. So no one watching this at home would ever see that. Exactly, and so and it's also if it, I, I, they never make note of it. Considering now, I know how video editing works. There's two different shots of this entity, creature, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I don't. It's, there's no mention of the fact that oh, there's two angles, and like uh, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, that's right. And it's a VHS tape, so <laughs> as crude as it may be, you could make a VHS tape or, or make like a, a film reel. Take the two separate home movies, have them as like eight millimeter or some sort of film print, splice in three or four frames of this entity, mm-hmm. and then convert it to a videotape. Oh yeah, yeah, I think that you could. I could very like, back back with nineties era technology. Um, it probably would cost money to do this. I don't know why you would fake it, other than the fact you have to say you want real scary stories. Mm-hmm. You could do that. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not inconceivable. No, no, not at all. I, I again not that not to derail us from our our ending um, <laughs> thing of all this, but no, it's just it's there's so every single segment you could dissect and be like, this doesn't make sense, 
And why isn't anybody pointing it out? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite's the, the Vortex, and they have all the, the lens flares. They're like, look, they're ghosts! Uh, yeah. That's the yeah. best part of this. And, like, and you know what the weird part of that is? And we'll, we'll insert the clip here with the music. There was one other thing that Mike and his friends didn't know. They were being followed. Turning back, um, we didn't see anything on the way back, but we were definitely still scared. stories of young people from across the country who have had experiences with the unknown if you have a story to tell but that end music where they're highlighting all the orbs it's all lens it's all lens flares yet they sell it as a genuinely creepy moment and it works yeah i was like what am i supposed to be seeing when they're just flashing all those pictures in front of us <laughs> and, but that's the that's the weird part of the show is that it's giving me Oh, God. It's kind of like giving me a McDonald's, or it's like giving me a fake orange. Like one of those ones you see like in a furniture store. Oh, yeah, like a, yeah. like wax fruit or something. Yeah, wax fruit, a fake one. Like clearly fake, yet you're pumping in enough smells and aromas that you've actually convinced my brain to want to take a bite out of it. <laughs> right on. <laughs> I like that's that what this show. That's what this show is. It's like, I know it's fake, but I want to eat the fake fruit because all my <laughs> other senses are being deceived. Sure, yeah, oh yeah. No, that's fair, that's fair. Okay, and see, we transition, there, we transition perfectly into snacks. Yeah, yeah, I, I was about to say, uh, if you're out there and you have these episodes, send them our way. It'll make Zach don't happy. Don't eat them. Don't, don't, don't yeah, eat don't eat them. them. I guess that's our first thing. Zach is not saying to ever eat any of your copies of this show. <laughs> no. So I think my camera, uh, I, I, just, I just said it, my snack is a camera. You should eat the camera. <laughs> Because clearly, every the producer of the show were just like, "Can we film from the inside of people's faces?" And they were like, "No." And they were like, "Let's get as close as we possibly can." Then, so I say, when you order the real scary stories meal, it's just one of those little portable video cameras on the plate, and you know maybe there'll be something where like the Rob or the Zach waiter will just hold the video camera and will like force it into your face <laughs> so you like can't control eating it, like you just have to eat it. And maybe we'll, it'll be on, so like whatever it'll be recording while it's being eaten, and so it'll it'll display somewhere in the restaurant, so like the other patrons can see you and your insides as they eat this camera. What do you think? I, I like it, and it's going to be called on the menu. It's going to be called "Move the camera into your face instead of away from your face." <laughs> so that's mine. That's my only snack. Got my snack. Well, I have to say for this, usually with most cinematics that we discuss, there's like a low-hanging fruit where it's like, oh, like there'll be something referenced in it, like bacon pancakes for Adventure Time, yeah. or men, women, and ch- or no, um, yeah, men, women, and children was the omelets. There, there's there's low-hanging fruit there. Where it's like, oh, with this, there's really nothing obvious. No, I don't think they talk about a food. Well, with the exception of the commercials, talking about the actual show now, uh, I don't think they do anything food related at any point. Like I mentioned with the Haunted Home video, we have the Moldy Marshmallow Man. Mm. Uh, I used to to call him, too, not just the Moldy Marshmallow Man. It was like the Moldy Mashed Potatoes. Oh, oh, I like that. It was was interchangeable. It was Moldy Marshmallow or Moldy Mashed Potatoes. Have you ever heard of 
people who will use some marshmallow in their mashed potatoes? Have you heard of that before? I have not. Okay, so I've heard it's like um, not a lot. I'm not saying it's like it's a half marshmallow, half potato, but it, it like supposed to add some fluffiness and creaminess to it. Um, so we could make a dish that's like both of them, and then we let it get moldy. Is that where you're going? Actually, now I know what you mean. Yeah, I know. Like, I, sometimes people do it with like sweet potatoes. They'll put a little like a marshmallow, like caramelization, mm. like yeah, caramelized yeah. on top. Exactly. All right, that's a great example. I am holding in my hand for corroboration. <laughs> the real scary stories videotape that this is all recorded off of. Okay. And I knew I did this with the original notes I wrote in 2002. Real scary stories featuring the Deacon and mashed potato ghost. <laughs> I like it. Mashed potato ghost. <laughs> it actually, it's actually written in two different places. I'm pretty sure for our cover art for this, I am just going to take a picture of my videotape and Perfect. superimpose it on the logo. Because Perfect. in two different places, on the bottom of the tape where you're not supposed to put stickers, I actually have written again, Moldy Marshmallow Man Ghost. <laughs> so both names were correct. Mashed Potato Ghost and Moldy Marshmallow Man Ghost. Okay, right on. We actually, much like Gremlins, we have a physical cinematity yeah. on the tape. Yeah. Okay. Which is not the snack. <laughs> no, we do not eat the uh, we do not eat the real scary stories videotape. That would be sacrilege. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Some moldy man shaped thing would be the yes. be the dish. Okay. It has to be the shape of food, like whether it be mashed potatoes or a marshmallow. It would have to be in the shape of a man holding a gun, like the character or the entity in the segment. Yeah, yeah, it would definitely be modeled after that for sure. Okay, okay, I like it. Anything, anything else about it, or is it? it well, it will it be moldy? It's going to be moldy. Come on, you got to live up to your namesake. Okay, okay. The problem so, though is that you I only like get it. to look at it for like a fraction of a second. That's that's the other thing I was thinking. It's like you know, is there only like a small window of time in which you're physically able to eat it? Exactly. It, it gets brought to the table and you don't even know it was there. You're like, it's like, okay, like the waiter comes out with like your food and it's like, wait, why are you giving me a blank pay? I'm like, well, you, you missed it. <laughs> the Zach waiter says, sorry. It makes me think of the ring from Twin Peaks that like just phases in and out of the Black Lodge in reality. Like when like it just appears when people like hand it back and forth and stuff like that. It's like you could be watching the table at, at our restaurant very intently after you order this, you know, moldy marshmallow man dish. And then you just have to kind of be ready because it's going to flash really quickly. You have to like grab it when it flashes, you know, <laughs> it might be one of our first dishes with the risk. You might not get to eat anything, right? Do we have anything else that you could, you might end up just not eating anything. Like if you aren't paying attention, you don't get to eat this thing, right? I'm not sure, but it seems plausible. Okay, okay. They have to put them on a special part of the menu if there is more. Like, or, yes. or well, no, I say fuck it. You know, just mix it in. People like they order something and then they get they don't get to eat anything, and it's like, well, that's the point of this restaurant. That's the theme. It's supposed to confuse you. <laughs> oh okay, God. I like it. Right on. All right, two last things because uh, like I said, I could spend hours talking about this show. It's the it's the end part of my four episodes. Uh, room 347, which I'm pretty sure is what Stanley Kubrick based Room 237 off of in The Shining. Okay. Where the kid goes to the hotel room and literally nothing happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it might be the most anticlimactic thing ever. The most anticlimactic, uh, the most 
climactic thing that happens in the episode, some guy has like a picture of like his grandparents' like fiftieth wedding anniversary, and it's like a blow. It's like somebody sneezed into the lens, mm-hmm. and he's like, "See, there's a ghost. Oh, he's yeah. got a bonnet and a doll and everything." And the best, <laughs> and the best part of the episode, which I think is funny, because that it still creeps me out that image. But the best part is that clearly whoever was editing the episode realized they had nothing to work with. So the episode ends with a still shot of that image and the camera, like, like uh, the colors inverse on it. Mm-hmm. And, that, and it cuts the black. And I find that hysterical. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, clearly <laughs> the editor did not know what to do. It's like, you gave me not You gave me an episode with nothing. <laughs> and then the second thing would be the Bodhi's curse where the two girls go to, like, the... Like ghost town. Oh where if you yeah. Take anything it curses you. Yeah, and they steal and they, rocks. <laughs> and they steal rocks. And there's two notable things about that segment. First, the I didn't, I never picked up on this until now. The old guy is Ed Warren, who was the faint, well, now famous like ghost, like paranormal investigator with his wife Lorraine. Oh. And that's what all the Conjuring movies are based off of. That's Patrick oh. Wilson's character. Hot damn! I did not know. Cool. I. I, I never knew that. Like, I, I, I've known about this for like 16 years. And yet now I just know like, oh my God, that's Ed Warren. I'm like, how on earth, did, like not to say that Ed Warren was busy in his later years, but like, <laughs> yeah. how'd they get, like, how'd they get Ed Warren? Solid. Right on. Yeah. And then the second thing is I, if you, at the end of that episode, we'll play some of the petty reasons why these girls think they're being cursed. It's like oh, today, yeah. it's like today I woke up and I spilled orange juice on the rug. And I failed my, failed my test i'd never studied for <laughs> it's like and you think that was bad enough though but my parents just cleaned the rug <laughs> oh yes i i did i laughed a lot when he's i spilled orange juice which normally wouldn't be bad but my parents <laughs> just had the rug steam cleaned when jessica and tracy got home they waited to see if they would be plagued by Bodie's curse they didn't have to wait long. We took necklaces home from Bodie to see what, if anything, would happen. We used our video camera to document each day. At first, little things started going wrong. My dad did my laundry, and it was the laundry that was supposed to be dry clean. And now everything just shrunk. I did spill some orange juice on the carpet, and that would have been, like, so bad, but my parents just had the carpet being clean that they were little things, so we couldn't really tell if the curse was real or not. I've been wanting to go to homecoming with this guy in particular, and I finally was talking to him about it, and unfortunately, he was already planning on taking his ex-girlfriend from last year. I still thought these were coincidence. That's what we got now. We got a flat tire. Then some bad things started happening, and then I thought we were really cursed. Normally, I'm a pretty good student. I read a book twice, and I had a test on it, and I failed it. And in addition to failing that test, I had a history test that I also didn't know about. It was like a pop quiz, but I also failed it. It is like beginning to like give me some kind of rash. It's like really itchy, and I like totally messed up my right ankle. It hurts so bad. Like, you have absolutely no idea. And then the big thing happened. I was awoken by my room shaking. We had an earthquake. There hadn't been any earthquakes here since, like, four or five years ago. And all of a sudden, there's this earthquake, and it's right after I take this rock from Bowie. And then when the earthquake hit, 
everybody, including my parents, said, enough is enough. Send the thing back. They send these items back, that's fine. Okay. What they're in essence saying is that they do believe in it and they're sending it back. But whether the curse could be taken off or not, I can't say for sure. They challenged evil. Once you challenge something, accept that something, you drop the challenge. Did they get it steam cleaned because you spilled orange juice? Like, there's more <laughs> context we need to know if this is a curse or not. <laughs> the best part of all their reasons why they're cursed is they, they're wearing these rocks tied with, like, like a very thin leather around their <laughs> neck. Yeah. And one of them's like, I've been wearing it on my neck now for, like, a couple of weeks, and I'm getting a rash there. And I'm like, <laughs> you picked up a rock from the middle of the desert. What do you think was going to happen? <laughs> yeah. All this... This coarse material is constantly rubbing against my skin, and I have no idea where it came from, and it's dirty. It's a curse. <laughs> and then and there's another one where she's like, this guy who I was seeing asked his ex-girlfriend to the prom. Yeah, yeah, that was good. <laughs> like, it's the definition of, like, teenage, like, high school first world problems and these girls are like, clearly this is a curse. Like, have to get rid of these rocks. Oh, yeah. Like, we live in California, and we had an earthquake. Clearly, yeah. we're cursed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that one was definitely funny. I'm glad Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that one out. That one gave me some laughs. The Vortex gave me some laughs as well, I, even though it was primarily the beginning. I love that the... I think one of the things we didn't mention is that, like, all these segments, or a lot of these segments, there's, like, a voiceover at the start with some text in that, you know, with the, the bumpers, I guess we're calling them that, like, describes the segment a little bit. And the one for the Vortex is basically, like, in this town, there was a factory, but it exploded, and it <laughs> opened a portal to another realm. And I was like, this was this is deep into the episodes. And so, you know, as soon as like, this, this caught my attention, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, where are they coming from? And then, you know, like, the first kid they interview is like, hi, my name's Ray, and I live near the Vortex. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, perfect. This one, this one's got me hooked. <laughs> in the early 1900s, in New Jersey, a munitions factory exploded, killing hundreds of factory workers and opening a portal into another realm. Ray and his friends go to the vortex in search of their spirits. You know things are there. You know you're being watched. You know things are around you. Well, the kids call the area the vortex, but it's just part of the woods down by the old factory site. You always feel like someone's reaching out and grabbing you. When you turn around, you see nothing but darkness. Oh, my God. There were literally hundreds that had died. And they're there. Their spirits are there, locked in time and space at the vortex. My name is Ray. Um, I, live in, I live near a vortex. The vortex is like a doorway where things can seep through. Good and bad. There is a level of camp here oh, that's yeah. definitely oh, yeah. unintentional. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, that, like we were saying, gotta ask, uh, it's great to you know ask that question. How much of this is whatever we everything we talked about before? You know, how much of it's serious? How much is real staged? All well, that maybe, stuff. Maybe, and this will be our, our note. We end this on is maybe that's the reason why Don Wells is in, everybody's embarrassed of it. Maybe they think it's like if this like in today's day and age where you do have things like the room mm-hmm. or these things that were produced like 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and they come back into the spotlight and people are mocking them. Kind of like Troll 2. Yeah. Are they maybe afraid this would be their Troll 2? Where like 
someone like Don Wells and and Marjorie Connolly are not big people in the show business, and maybe they're afraid that if this gets out there, it'll ruin their career. Like, maybe they're glad this is smothered. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like uh, they aren't as uh, willing to accept the the publicity of a bad movie or a bad TV show like some other people are. And you know they they want to keep it covered so that you know they can keep their image up, whatever image they think they have that isn't this show. Yeah, to preserve to preserve their careers from any sort of okay. mocking. I was about to say it's either that or the non-disclosure thing, but maybe Don Wells had everybody sign the non-disclosure agreement because he thought of like that exact re- uh, reason. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. There's there's so many reasons why. If you have info, let us know. It'll be uh, it'll help us out. It's a mystery. It's a cinema cine mystery. Cinemodery. Cinemodstery? Didn't I type that to you or something the other day? Wasn't there something? something like that. We're we'll just mashing all these words together. Yeah, we're, now we're doing portmanteaus with other portmanteaus. Eventually, this is just going to we're just going to read Finnegan's Wake every week. <laughs> oh boy, the real cinemodity. <laughs> all right, literati. Literati. I like that because that makes you think of the literati as well. There we go. All right, Zach. Well, we have to know how we're going to end this episode, right? I think so. Well. I think that we have a huge bank of things to take from. I don't think there's anything really, you know, just... We shouldn't just do the intro to Real Scary Stories, right? Like, we gotta do that backwards, mixed with some Donald Trump and Grimace. Maybe mixed with some Math is Power. Maybe mixed with some reasons these girls think they're cursed. What other ideas you got? I th- oh, I, think I know. Should... Gremlins theme song. <laughs> Gremlins theme song in reverse. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm sure that'll find its way in there somehow, right? <laughs> Does oh, that yeah. sound good? What, we'll, what we should do is we should start off with the reverse theme back, or the, the theme reversed backwards, then slowly just throw in Donald Trump, the Merman, the yes. Grimace, the, <laughs> the Mathis Power, Hooked on Phonics. We'll just throw it all into the pot. Yeah, we're going to try and play all these things backwards to hopefully kind of suck them back out of me. <laughs> now that I've sat through the four hours uh, seeing them straight, maybe if I see them reversed, it'll kind of heal some of these wounds of the, the commercials left. We can only hope. Maybe that's how everybody forgets real scary stories. They watch it backwards, then it gets sucked out of them. <laughs> it's like it's a, uh, our version of a neuralizer. <laughs> Cinematis neuralizer. Oh yeah, I like it. That's what you get when you come out of the restaurant. You have no idea where you just were for the last two hours. And you're holding a freaked DVD in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right on. Well, until next week, Monstover. Woo! I had no idea he was a murderer, so he's going to have-